0: Modern. 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 We're prepping for a voyage. Modern. The force of an old-fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration. Why don't you make that a double? Modern Bar Cart. What's shaking, cocktail fans? Welcome to episode 182 of the Modern Bar Cart podcast. I'm your host, Modern Bar Cart CEO, Eric Koslick. Thanks for joining me for another interview episode where we track down the best and brightest minds in the spirits and cocktail world so that we can share their secrets with you. This time around, I'm joined from across the pond by Mary Sadlier, who, along with her husband, Philip, created Cool Swan Irish Cream Liqueur. That's cool spelled C-O-O-L-E. Now, here's the thing about Irish cream. We've all had some bastardized version of it loaded with stabilizers, artificial sweeteners, and other gunk. One brand immediately comes to mind. At least here in the US, it seems to be a category that doesn't have a top shelf or even really a middle shelf in terms of quality. You get what you get, so shut up and drink your white Russian. Well, Mary and her team are here to change all that, but Before we start talking about moo cows, Irish poets, and the hydrodynamics of cream, let's give you the chance to make yourself a drink. This episode's featured cocktail is the original Alexander. It first appeared in Hugo Enslin's 1916 book, Recipes for Mixed Drinks, and is often overshadowed by the Brandy Alexander, which became popular after Prohibition. Makes sense, right? We couldn't get brandy for a while. To make the Alexander cocktail, you'll need one ounce or 30 mls of gin, one ounce or 30 mls of white creme de cacao, one ounce or 30 mls of cool swan Irish cream liqueur, and one egg white. Combine these ingredients in a cocktail shaker with no ice. You heard me, no ice. Dry shake for about 15 seconds until you hear and feel the texture of the contents begin to change. Then add your ice, shake again, and strain into a stemmed cocktail glass. This is something like if a Ramos gin fizz and a classic egg white sour cocktail got married and made a baby, and that baby was named dessert. The egg white, in my view, is crucial because it's going to yield that incredibly silky texture that feels like a delicious reward for having finished your supper. One last note, the recipe I just gave you is a little boozier than most Alexander recipes, which use only cream rather than a cream liqueur, but you're only going to be using about an ounce of that cool swan, which weighs in at a manageable 16% ABV. In other words, treat yourself. So now that you're settled in with a classic pre-prohibition cream cocktail, let's turn our attention back to the interview. In this passionate conversation with spirits entrepreneur, Mary Sadlier, some of the topics we discuss include How Mary spun a career in accounting and finance into a crusade with her dairy farmer husband to revolutionize the Irish cream liqueur category. The story behind the Cool Swan brand name, which involves a uniquely Irish geological feature, a famous poet, and a flock of, you guessed it, swans. Why the assimilative properties of cream make it an excellent canvas for conveying other flavors how Mary manages to keep her ingredient list smaller and more natural than her competitors, ideas for using Cool Swan on your bar menu or in your next at-home cocktail adventure, what to drink when you're hanging out with Clint Eastwood, and much, much more. One through line in this conversation is passion fueled by a sense of wonder. Sometimes when you speak with people who are ostensibly entrepreneurs, they get giddy about spreadsheets and sales figures and You know, I'm sure Mary secretly nerds out about that stuff since her background is in finance, but what's immediately apparent is that for Mary, it's all about the juice. She marvels at its purity and its power to bring people together around a shared table. And as we spend our second St. Patrick's Day in a row unable to celebrate with friends in our normal fashion, we can take heart in the fact that Mary and her team are hard at work creating flavor worth celebrating. With that, please enjoy this extremely fun discussion with Mary Sadlier of Cool Swan Irish Cream Liqueur. Mary, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Eric, how are you?
0: I'm great, thank you for joining me. Let's start by talking a little bit about your background before we jump in and start talking about Cool Swan Irish Cream Liqueur. What's your background and and how did you come to be doing what you do today?
1: So my own background is, um, I studied, I did my degree in just basic kind of economics and business, but I then went on to join the famous Arthur Anderson. And I trained as an accountant with those specializing in taxation and actually spent a good bit of time in the US between Chicago and a number of different states where they had offices. Um, And from there, I ended up going into corporate finance in the drinks industry. And that's the path that ended up bringing me to Cool Swan.
0: Hmm. So I don't, I don't know that that most people would associate accounting and, and tax work as, as a, as a logical onboarding point for, uh, for someone who wants to start a spirits brand, but you know, I do find that it is. A blind spot for many people who do start spirits brands. So it, it seems like that's probably a, a superpower for you.
1: I like that a superpower. Yeah, a lot of people were surprised when I did accountancy. So maybe, maybe, maybe I've come full circle on myself. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. It comes down to numbers. Oh my goodness! Even very successful brands, successful bands. I remember once in Paul McGuinness, when he was asked why did he take on to manage you two, he said because Bono and Larry, Larry both knew what a contract was. And actually, there's a lot of depth in that, and it's the same as you're saying, the superpower. You you gotta, you gotta do the basics right to build anything that's going to have longevity.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, addressing the basics may be something that we return to later in this conversation. Um, but uh, putting aside your background for just a moment here, I'm, I'm hoping that we might address something that's, that's a little strange for our podcast, which is a, a geology question. Uh, so in researching you and the Cool Swan brand, I came across a word that I was not familiar with, and, and that word is turlo. So can you please explain what a turlo is to our listeners?
1: So it's pronounced turlock. and, turlock. and Yeah, and it's a boy's name um, in Gaelic as well, but it actually is a lake formed by the movement of ice. So it's as the ice um, came down from the north and the Ice Age passed over Ireland, we had quite a lot of turlocks. So what I'm, was they were inland lakes and they carved it out of the mountains. So the Irish loved them. We've built, not hydro dams, because we don't really have those, but we our electricity supply system would be built on a number of turlocks in this country.
0: But that's what it is.
1: It's a lake. And the lake that they refer to in the poem, which I think is where we're going to with this, um, is a turlock. And that's where the, the concept comes from.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, As I was doing my research on this sort of unique geographical feature, um, two things, or maybe more than two, a few things stuck out to me as as being noteworthy. One, it seems to be a feature that is unique to Ireland in that, uh, according to Wikipedia anyway, the only other turlock is a single one in Wales. So uh, besides that, they seem to be endemic to Ireland. And uh, there also seems to be a seasonality to when these uh, lakes appear. Is that also correct?
1: Less and less as man gets involved in them. But yeah, they'd been the stories of folklore would have suggested that kind of they disappeared and they came back. But, you know, like I say, the turlocks here would now be generally well managed because they're very good water supplies. You know, it's like everything else water. People built cities or towns beside them and then realised they couldn't have them disappear anymore. <laughs> so they had to stabilise them and make sure that they were there. It's interesting, the only other one is in Wales. Um, I would have thought there'd be a few in Scandinavia, but they may go under different kind of fjords or, you know, where they carve in. But it's a similar kind of principle. It's where ice has eroded the landscape and water Either I'm assuming they have found water sources that came up through it, because it didn't fill naturally with water. It's probably, they they have to do with rivers. But it's interesting because the boy's name, it was a warrior in Ireland, was also known as Turlock, and it's strong and faithful and delivers every time. So I bet you now after I say that, you'll meet some gentleman called Turlock, and you'll say, oh, I know where (laughs) that's
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, you did mention a poem earlier, and and that is indeed where we were heading, and I think at least a, a good percentage of our normal listeners are probably rolling their eyes now because I, I find ways to shoehorn poetry into the podcast a little bit more often than I probably should anyway. Uh, but now you're just you're just serving it up to me on a platter. So so tell me a little bit about the wild swans at Cool.
1: So Ireland's history when it comes to English literature is peppered with Anglo-Irish writers. And W.B. Yeats was one of those. So his family was really of English origin, but he had a great passion for Ireland. He was educated in the UK, just loved everything about Ireland, um, the landscape. And even, he said, it's like any sad romantic poetry. He, he wouldn't be quite near Keats' kind of romance. Um, he's got that sad loneliness that sometimes comes with island countries. Um, he he wrote beautiful poetry. and He's the first Irish poet to get a Nobel laureate in 1923. And one of these very famous poems was written in a estate by the name of Cool Park. And Cool Park was originated by a lady called Countess Markovich. And she opened this park. Sorry, I take that back. That's Lady Gregory, sorry, opened Cool Park. So it was her husband's estate. And at the time, around the turn of the 1800s into the early 1900s, as you can imagine, the Catholic Church was very strong here. So if you were into theatre, music, poetry, but they would have, I guess at the time, deemed to be slightly subversive (laughs) kind of ideologies. She would host these people at the estate in Cool Park, which is on the west coast of Ireland. So WB Yeats would go down there, and um, he would actually, the house is gone. The house that Lady Gregory lived in, Cool Park itself, has been preserved by the Irish government. And a tree overlooking the lake where he wrote the poem, The Wild Swans of Cool, has a he carved out a little house. And it's still there. So if any of your listeners are ever in Ireland, make sure you get to Cool in Gort in County Galway and you go into Cool Park. It's well marked because it's a government run um, amenity and go in there and you'll see the tree where he would have sat and written this poem.
0: Mm. It's wonderful to have, um, a a well-preserved story like that around a a piece of art, because, um, you know, it's, it's not every day that, that you get that. And, uh, I, we, we will probably come back to WB Yeats, but, uh, what about this poem struck you such that you decided to work it into your brand?
1: That's such a good question because it was a fleeting thought, but it's a thought that as we grow the brand, we, it it becomes so much more relevant. So the poem, he would sit at the lake in the morning and he'd see the swans go out in a formation. Same time, well they'd go at sunrise, so they they change by the seasons, but they would go out at the same time, effectively in season. But they'd go out in the same formation, and you know the way birds when they fly. They kind of relieve the guy at the top and they come back and they go forward. But they had this very systematic formation. They fly out, they come back at night the same way. And what fascinated him was with all the years that he spent in Cool Park, these birds, even though they weren't the same birds every year, he knew that they had died, but they were replaced by new birds. They were able to keep the symmetry. And that's kind of what fascinated him, this kind of sort of continuity and this beauty of just doing something beautiful because it will live forever. And that sums up good swan, well our liquid, because obviously we can't use the same milk in every bottle because the cows come and go and our dairy farm rotates. and But we still keep the same formation. We are very, very loyal to the way in which we craft it and we make it. And like I say, it was was just a very nice, small connection that as we grow the brand, it's become a huge part of our mantra. We never fiddle with the ingredients. We never mess around or dilute. So I can guarantee you a bottle of Kutzwan you would have had two years ago will taste as good as the bottle of Kutzwan you have in a year's time or tomorrow. And that's a guarantee we give all our customers. So in that way, it tied in beautifully with the poem.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. And I think that the consistency that you reference is also extremely comforting. And I I think there's something about a cream based drink, whether that's the liqueur itself or uh, perhaps a cocktail application in which it is served that also seems to always return to that sense of comfort. And and certainly if we try to put ourselves in the shoes of someone like William Butler Yates, uh, Perhaps in a tumultuous time in Irish culture, Cool uh, Park must have to him seemed like quite a refuge. Uh, you know, it was it was uh, a, a space, not just a physical space, but uh, a collection of people, almost a salon-like atmosphere created by this patron of the arts. And you can feel in the poem. You know, he says, "You know, the nineteenth autumn has come upon me since I first made my count." He clearly went there almost religiously and so you, you can almost see him in the poem uh like seeing some of the swans in himself in himself and some of his, himself yeah. in the swans and yeah. uh and yeah there's there's a a great intimacy in the way that he writes it, certainly a sadness um uh, or a wistfulness as, as you mentioned, uh, mentioned earlier but but also a great tenderness um so oh, yeah uh, i agree.
1: His brother was a beautiful artist. If you ever get a chance to look at Jack B Yeats's work, um, and you think about—I it, I mean, what you say there is beautiful because it is true. You know, he was—he was an Englishman living in Ireland, not a most wonderful thing to be doing in the late 1800s. He was a poet in a country where that kind of behaviour, for one of a better word, was encouraged to be suppressed. So he had a lot of reasons to feel isolated, and yet at the same time, you're right. He would go to Cool Park and feel very, very connected. So yeah, it's a really nice way of
0: looking at it. Yeah, well, thank you for for taking us um, through that. It was a slightly slightly backward way that we we approached uh, your brand. Normally, we start with the liquid itself, but um, now that now that we understand the somewhat serendipitous story behind mm-hmm. the brand name, um, can can you explain how you went from the accounting world to deciding that you wanted to? make a foray into a category that to say the least has been maligned in in recent decades
1: yes i love a challenge (laughs) Um, yeah it's a really good question so i guess the way i found my way in was i married a farmer about one hour north of dublin um so i had been traveling a lot and i found that philip's job did not lend itself to me being away because it's a very you, you're tied to it, it's 24-7, seven days a week. It's, it's not a pick up and close the door and get a break from it kind of... Uh, it's a vocation, I guess, is the word. I love it. I wouldn't change it, so I'm not i saying say that's a bad thing. It was just it didn't suit the lifestyle I had. And yet, at the same time, Philip was very interested the whole time in, in doing something more in food. Um, and then we were very fortunate. We met some industry veterans in the shape of two Englishmen, David Gluckman and an Adrian Walker, and a fantastic Irishman by the name of David Phelan. And they like had they had worked with the the number one cream in the world, as we all know. And um they always had a vision, along with the another gentleman by the name of Patsy McKevitt, to create a premium Irish cream, really go for it, really get back to basics, build it up from what made Irish creams fantastic. And that basically is the cream. It, it's the it's the dairy cream it's the quality of the product input was what really gave the product its value down through the years so that's how we approached it it was a lucky kind of a perfect storm I met those guys we had a dream we met a third guy Patsy McKevitt, he had a dream we came together and bizarrely the thing I love most about Pulse is it's kind of created itself so we went in and we talked about the ingredients and the core one is the cream and it's all down to the science of cream, which I can go through with you later. It's a fascinating subject. Um, and to have something that had no additives, no nothing, it just relied on nature 100%. That was the objective. And then when we created it, it just is the most amazing liquid. I, I don't feel any more as if we own a product. I feel we own a thing. It's, it's, it's got a personality of its own. It's got a life of its own. It's just having brought together three core ingredients but sticking to the principles of basic principles of nature, it, we've just created this liquid that I think will just go and go and go and go forever. It, it's the minute you taste it, people just fall in love with it. And I, I'm hoping that will. you're right about the category. And it's a shame because it's a fantastic category. It is so versatile. I mean, there's nothing you cannot do with a cream liqueur. You can drink it. You can make cocktails with it. You can cook with it. It's it's one of those. It's it's a liqueur. It's a real traditional good liqueur. It's got so many applications, um, and we know it'll go on and on. This one is very because is all about taste. It's all about the quality of the experience of drinking it, and that goes back to when we started. It was all about the quality of the ingredients that we put into it.
0: Mm. There's something about Irish culture in America, and I should clarify to our listeners that we are recording this interview on the eve of St. Patrick's Day here. Now, due to the pandemic, I'm sure it's not going to look like St. Patrick's Days of yore, but Mm -hmm. if there's one thing we know about Irish culture in America is that it is a slightly McDonaldized uh, version of what real Irish culture is. uh, It is a caricature And I think that is somewhat similar to the way that other big mass market Irish cream liqueurs operate in the spirits world. Uh, Mm -hmm. and, And so normally when, when I hear premium, I think adding things on, adding bells and whistles, adding a fancy hand cut crystal bottle, adding, you know, uh, lots of, uh, adornments and flourishes to the product such that it adds dollars to the price tag. And so it's not necessarily intuitive, I think, when you say, you know, back to basics. We're creating premium by going back to basics, but it does make sense based on the current standing of the cream liqueur category, which is very synthetic. when, it, when you do work, you know, we'll, we'll talk, I, I do wanna talk about the science in a moment, but you have to imagine there the, the amount of stabilizers needed to create these products is probably extensive. So you're drinking a lot of synthetic. And, and, and as a result, like the drinks that this product has been featured in tend to be not very serious drinks. You know, Irish car bombs here and like all of the, uh novelty shots that mm. where where you create the layers and the and the the cream operates as some weird kind of like jellyfish factor in there as it drops through other layers of of products and uh so I'm very interested in talking a little bit more seriously about like what opportunities uh, a reimagining of this category hold especially for bartenders whether we're talking about home bartenders or um, professional craft mixologists so we'll definitely leave that in the clouds but um but yeah please please do feel free to take us through some of the some of the nuances of working with cream to create a consistent product because i imagine it's not as easy as just showing up no no
1: definitely not Uh, so the wondrous thing about cream and you remember Irish cream liqueurs were kind of discovered first by the monks the Irish monks were quite mobile individuals and would have gone to meet their European counterparts on a regular basis and liqueurs would traditionally have been medically based herb or but you got to rely on whatever your local ingredients were so cream in Ireland was always highly regarded I don't know if you've ever heard the expression the cream of the crop the cat that got the cream so cream cream has huge medical benefits the first one would be um, it's superb for skin diseases, prior to us getting dermatologists and uh, getting much more kind of fancy pharmaceutical-based products, cream would have been the basis of treatment for um, eczema, any of those difficult skin parts, Now, proper cream, cream straight from the can. Then you had, now there's big studies been done that one of the reasons we've increasing numbers of Alzheimer's, dementia, is because we've reduced the amount of fat, natural good fat that the body has taken in because the brain needs quite a lot of fat to function. And cream is would have been given to, in the good old days, you'd have given a tablespoon of cream to a doting grandmother or grandfather in the corner. It was deemed to kind of maybe, they didn't realize it, but I guess it was given on the basis that it would slow down dementia or slow down whatever experience they were having. So it has, it has well-proven medical benefits. From our perspective, what happens is when we milk the cows and uh, we get... We've a strong dairy herd here of about 700 cows now. And we get about 28 litres from each cow twice a day. These are great women. Um, You see them walking into the parlour there and you know that they're going to produce this wonderful liquid. Only 4% of what they produce is actually cream. The rest of it, about, the rest 96% is water with soluble vitamins and minerals. So what happens is the cream gets extracted. Cream is deeply valuable because it makes the basis of your cheese, cream cottage cheese there's um, an endless amount of products that come out of cream so the reason it's loved so much is it's got this natural structure which means when it comes in contact with something it automatically takes on its taste so if you were to now i put it as a challenge to your listeners get some whole milk and leave it out on a counter beside an onion maybe beside garlic Or leave it in the fridge with an onion, garlic, fish, something that's quite pungent. And I can tell you within one hour, your liquid will, first of all, certainly smell like that, but it will begin to taste like that. So the gentleman who first set up um, the music festival in the south of England, the name escapes me. He had, that's what he did, Michael Eaves. He used to feed apple pumice to his cows, and he'd milk it out as a apple-flavored, naturally apple-flavored milk. That's the natural occurring Glastonbury. That's the festival Michael leaves runs. And um, he used to be a dairy farmer before he got involved in that. But he, the naturally occurring, it's got a binding structure. So for us, what happens is when we put in the white chocolate, which we melt into the cream. They naturally bind. I don't have to add anything. But then the real joy is when I bring in the whiskey and I bring it in at very, very high speed, it's almost as if the cream has built a kind of scaffolding. You know, if you think of it with thousands and thousands of molecules, the whiskey fits in between where there's gaps and they bind naturally. I don't have to add anything. No binding agents, no emulsifiers, no nothing. Now. The good and the bad of it is, I don't have to add anything, but cream is a premium product. So if you are using real cream, it's expensive. If you mock up cream, and you start understanding its chemical structure, you can create an artificial infrastructure or scaffold. Now you do have to bind. So the further down you step in your cream input, the more that you have to put in to get the ingredients to bind together, so that's where when I say we went back to basics, we went back to really understanding what the monks found so good about this stuff. Why were they? Why were they drinking it? Why were they? Why? What did they know that we didn't know? Um, and we began to discover this property of cream that was just amazing. And the good and the bad of it is, like I say. Cream is expensive, so you have to pay a little bit more when you're when you're building a brand like ours. Therefore, we call it a premium. Versus where you begin to dilute the core input, and you have to put in various agents just to make sure everything stays together in the box.
0: Right, right. Well, certainly in the same way that uh, in order to experience the joy of the swans returning, you have to have the sadness of the swans leaving. You know, in order to enjoy the uh, the beauty of of a a product with with uh, all cream, you sort of have to get rid of uh, those additives that were that were in there uh, previously, and so it, it does it does make sense what you're saying. Uh, it, it's it's really interesting. Uh, what I what I call it is a motor. Uh, it's it's uh, in a motor there are two electromagnets that that force thing force uh, the device to turn over on itself, which is what creates the propulsion that that drives the the vehicle, and it seems like the motor here is you've got premium, but basic, premium, but simple. And so, you know, how are you achieving premium? Well, you're going back to the basics and making things the way that they were, which makes it premium, which drives you even, uh, motivates you even more to go back to these essentials and push for quality. And and so that's the motor that I'm seeing here. And, and I, I love encountering these sorts of uh, self-propelling situations because yeah. as, you, as you just mentioned, uh, you said that CoolSwan sort of, uh, Built itself, and uh, it doesn't surprise me based on on the way that you're describing that. So um, I, I also really love learning. I, I, I sort of intuitively knew that if you did that with milk, it would kind of take on take on its its surrounding odorants and flavorants. But uh, I, I do love the idea of uh, cream as a scaffold, and uh, y- your visual description of of how this liquid operates um, is. is perfect for audio. I think it's uh, over over audio. I think it's the the closest we're going to get to explaining how this works. Um, and so I, I would love now that we know a little bit more about the cream to have you talk about the other two noteworthy flavors, which are of course the uh, Belgian white chocolate and the single malt whiskey.
1: Yeah. So the single malt whiskey, again, you know, the history of Irish whiskey, it was the biggest whiskey import in the world up until I suppose the early 1800s when taxes were brought in, so guys started dismantling their stills. And it was known as Ishkabaha. Only the Irish could dream up the word. The water of life is what they called whiskey. And again, to be fair, it would have been, you know, you see it the cowboy movies when they would use whiskey to kind of anesthetize a chap before a, an operation. It's the same thing. It, it had huge, they would have thought, life-giving powers because it, it disabled people enough for... Them to be improved if that doesn't sound slightly uh, slightly strange. So, the whiskey we deal with, an Irish whiskey, and Irish whiskey now, thankfully, is really beginning to come into its own. It's of an extremely high quality. We sadly can't disclose the Irish brand that we use, but I can tell you it's really good and it comes from a very old, it's the oldest distillery in Ireland down in the south, the southern Munster region. So, that narrowed very quickly for you. And um, then the Belgian white chocolate. So, One of our goals, I guess, was to create a product that really allowed you to understand the versatility of Irish cream. So the first thing we had to do was to bring it back to its color, bring it back to where cream started. I mean, people put cream on their walls at home so that they can put in different colored furniture. You put, uh, you, you know, the backdrop for any good painting starts cream. Cream allows you to build up a palette it allows you to extend your colour and your experience. So we started with cream because straight, neat, or overized straight into a glass, beautiful, beautiful to look at. It's got a beautiful aroma. It's oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful drink. But then if you're getting slightly adventurous, then you maybe want to add more alcohol to it, or maybe mix up a really good cocktail. There's nothing gonna stop you. You put in a creme de It was a beautiful green, you can put in um a creme de cassis. you get beautiful colours out of it. You can play with the colours just by, you know, mixing your colours and draining them. Good cocktail guys will know this. You can you can turn Kultswan into the star spangled banner. It, it's it's got everything you need as a base to really become the artist of choice of whatever you want to do with it. And that's what we loved about going back to cream, and that's why we use the white chocolate. So the white chocolate was really, and white chocolate. So here's an interesting thing: cows make cream from grass, and grass. Uh, they're particularly in Ireland; they're grass-fed. We don't do where we are very, and this is why Irish people will always get about the weather. It's the farmer and all of us because because we're grass-fed. When it rains, grass grows, but it equally gets very disturbed because cows are walking on it. It gets turned up. Things get very dirty and mucky. Um, And you've lost some of their grazing patch. So what we are mostly green grass that they eat, that's actually extremely sweet. Grass is mostly sugar. So a natural form of sugar. So it's very, very sweet. So the white chocolate with the cream was a beautiful balance. When we tasted them out, it was really lovely. They just came together with a lovely symmetry. It was just a sweetness that accentuated that lovely natural sweetness that you get with cream and if you do remember your own days I'm not talking about um, patisserie creams now where they actually put sugar into it I mean natural cream if you taste it it's got a lovely sweetness that covers your mouth but not clawing doesn't stick to your mouth but you can taste the sweetness so the white chocolate balanced that out beautifully and we really felt it accentuated even if anything it accentuated the sweetness of the cream and then you put in the lovely whiskey against it and it just like I say I, I sometimes I drink it and I hear people talk about it, and I think, you were meant to be. I mean, you're just the perfect storm. I, I, we're just super lucky to have anything to do with it, because it's just an extraordinary liquid.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that that makes a lot of sense with the white chocolate. I, I think that... Perfumiers would call that uh, an accord, right? So you put two different aroma notes together and they form something that is greater than either of them individually. And there's something about those complementary flavors or aromas that just works together. And it seems like for Cool Swan, the white chocolate is a perfect, you know, dancing partner for yeah. the cream. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'm excited to get a bottle. We've got one on the way. So we're going to do a little bit of social media content to kind of extend this interview uh, on Instagram and and Facebook. And and so I'll I'll play around with it and see what I can come up with in terms of cocktail applications. But it leads me to wonder, uh, what have all of the talented bartenders that you were just referencing uh, been doing with Cool Swan? Well,
1: some of them have taken classics like the Brandy Alexander and. Um, the martinis and made them really brought on really accentuated the old with a fabulous new with a cream as a base which just has softened out the whole experience then other guys have actually got very adventurous we have a couple of gin based uh, cream liqueur cocktails which I think is the first, in fact I know it's the first there haven't been gin based cream liqueur cocktails before they're pretty good actually And then we would have some of the really nice ones that we do, mint, as you can imagine, the cool swan is lovely. So we take, during the summer, we do a beautiful fresh cucumber and mint cocktail where we just muddle the two together, both fresh cucumber, fresh mint. You break them down by muddling them. You put them in a glass, you pour over the cool swan. And I can tell you, there is nothing more refreshing on a hot summer's afternoon than what we call the minty dawn, because it's the godfather of all cocktails. (laughs) <laughs> that's a, that's a one. Uh, we also have a beautiful tip to our italian neighbors we have a lovely femoncello which is uh, a lemon cello and cool again think of it lemons and cream come on you know you're just really if you, you're the imagination just runs riot there's very little in your dessert plate and in your fruit plates that doesn't go with the cream And that's the palette we work on. We do a lot of espressos. Uh, That martini espresso and Cunsoirn is just unbelievable. We do a fabulous white Russian. Another lean out to the traditional, more traditional cocktails. We do quite a lot with fruit, fruit fruit-based cocktails. Now, a lot of people ask me, you know, does it not curdle the cream? And again, we apply a bit of science here. This is if you keep the product cold, ice, 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 ice. No you won't get it. It won't split. But if it's not cold enough, it will split. And that's that's just science. That's the same as when you boil anything in a pan. If you don't boil it properly, you won't get where you need to get to with it. So it's likely the cold changes the constituency and enables us to work with um, more and more products. We'll be doing quite a few podcasts on that now as we come into the summer. And um, then we have our own classic perfect pour. That's my favorite. That's where you just drink it. And you are always... Drink, at least, sorry, you're over ice, but always chilled. There's Mm. something that cools one chilled that, now, my husband drinks it slightly warm. I don't know if it's the farmer, (laughs) but I love it. Cold, really lovely and chilled. And to be honest, I put very little in it. What I do sometimes do actually is I would take, um, I think we'd muddle strawberries, or raspberries, I should say, sorry, Eric, raspberries and dark chocolate. Both made. I mean, the darker the chocolate you can get with Kutzwan, the better. And the richer the coffee. And I'm talking Italian roast, Kenyan roast, single roasted brands. Unbelievable. In fact, we put a packet in with the bottle when we're sending it to you because it really has to be tried with that. Again, it's the balance of the cream with coffee. I mean, where would you go wrong with cream and coffee? You know ready to go wrong with cream and fruit. so we we pull again from the basics. We pull from the basics. but again, what we have done, I believe, is because we've only got three ingredients in it. And because it's cream, there's nothing to stop you. You cannot overpower swan. You know if that makes sense. It's just got such a good base that everything you build on it enhances it. Even and mm. um, we you can weave a lovely chili cocktail that a bartender in London makes with it. And it's just fabulous. Now, it's it's raw chili. You'd have to be really into the heat. But the heat with the cream is just, it's second to none,
0: yeah, that actually makes a good bit of sense to me because when, you know, you see people who are eating really spicy things, generally it's, a, it's a glass of milk there beside them. Uh, and there's something about the the palate coating nature of the dairy that, that seems to, uh, soften the impact of the capsaicin. But, uh, I, I love that you come at this with not only, uh, not, not only a, a brand driven passion, but also sort of, uh, an awe, of the simplicity of the process, you're just like I, one of the, one of the things that that I've just so loved about speaking with you is uh, how in love you are with with the process and the and the product. So that that certainly comes through. And and um, uh, again, very very excited to to get the bottle and uh, play around with it. Uh, but I, I guess this leads us to the question of all right, Mary has decided to. Uh, take a foray into the cream liqueur category. Uh, cool Swan and its three ingredients represent what you've brought to the table. Uh, and obviously you, you've, you've won some some nice uh, recognition thus far. Uh, so can you just tell us uh, maybe some of the awards that you've won and maybe uh, what the future holds for Cool Swan?
1: Yeah, do you know that song? It's by Huey Lewis in the news, the future's like a brag. Uh, so what awards have we won? So. We won in 2020, Wine Enthusiast awarded Cool Swan a 96 out of 100, which is a huge, huge score, right? And then we were listed in the top 100 brands, spirit brands in the world. It's just, we're the only Irish cream to have done it, we're the only Irish brand to have done it. And um, so that was just big, you know, because like, I don't know if you can see behind me, but we're based out of a, farm loft <laughs> a shed that used to be a sheep shed on our farm it's myself my husband and a fabulous team I mean the thing I love most about this and I guess what makes the future bright for Kutswan, is just this brand has been built with pure energy and passion like <laughs> we don't have the balance sheet that comes close to matching you know, some days I sit down I say to my husband uh, how did we get here? How are we still here? Like, how how does, how does did these things happen? And he often says to me, have you recorded this? We might write a book. I'm saying, do you know, a book would never capture the energy, the, you know, we did team sales call this morning and we're all, we're, some are working remotely, some aren't, but it's just a passion. Everybody has, this bottle is real. I mean, it's a real living, breathing thing in this building. So in that regard, I love it because I, I can't see that passion turning out any day soon and and I love it you know and the other side of it is we get viewed by our customers because we have this fabulous community of people who just love Kuzwa and we get so much fun out of being around something that is so you know basic is the wrong word but it's the right word it's so natural and so back to basics that you can take it anywhere I mean it literally travels all over the world as a brand and I've yet to meet anybody who Kind of point blankly refuses it. So, in that regard, the future is bright. And the other awards actually, we've won quite a few travel retail, we've, uh, we've won gold, we've won master class in the spirits business. Actually, we're up for an award in Colorado at the moment. So, fingers crossed, that's a fabulous state for us. Yes, yes, I can't wait. And uh, so, pretty much, we enter. I like awards because they're good for the consumer to know who's pitching, and industry experts come out and say, "I liked this because." So we like awards because it gives a lovely reassurance to our consumer that we're not just making this up—not <laughs> just our <that-> passion for the brand—that other people can see it as well. So we love it for that reassurance.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, and and certainly, it's one thing to win an award for. Uh, bells and whistles, like I was mentioning earlier, but I think it's another thing to win an award for, um, you know, being uh, a product. I think I think a good word for it is being essential. Like getting back to what is what's important, what's essential, and sort of being a. There, there's something to be said, I think, for being a brand ambassador via flavor, and it yeah. seems like you know dairy being such an important flavor for the the irish heritage uh it seems seems like you're really treating that well and it seems like the uh the people who are uh handing out these awards uh are in agreement with that so 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 that's great um what about what about the future you've got this you've got this team that's very energized it's, it seems like um seems like you're you're bound to do great things do you have uh any new markets that are coming up do, do you have any uh, potentially new or different products that you're working on
1: so the newer different products, I think, is something that we'll start taking on over the next few years. We're very keen to stay to the same formula, get to the basics of a product. I can't see it being a mm, I never say never. And I've said it now and we probably will produce another cream. But unless we can find something that stays very loyal again to cream... We would probably move to a different category if we move. Um, in the meantime, global domination—that's all we're looking for. Um, so, <laughs> we're, like, we're only—if you think about it—we're only in eight U.S. states. Now, because of the internet, we can send Kool from our website. You can order it to thirty-four states online. But you know, the U.S. Um, distribution network is is very different to to anything else we would have experienced it's the what they call the three tier system so i as a non national brand i've got to give it into an importer who sells it to a distributor who sells it to a retailer i'm not supposed to be involved in any of those transactions so it just makes retailing and getting listed a little bit more complicated for us but we find i'd love to have it in all 50 states that's a big goal because ireland and america have this beautiful relationship i, I think you know when i was in university, I was 19, I think. I got a G1. We went to America. I mean, like it was like, oh my God. I have three beautiful daughters, they're 19, 18, and 16. And they are like, I'm going to New York. I'm going to Kansas. I'm going like America is just it's it's like you guys travel in and out of here with no visas, no nothing. You know, and that's the way it should be. It's it's this lovely connection between two countries. And as a result, we really feel connected. Even when, you know, our customers in the States are just beautiful. They're just beautiful. And we get so much fun out of them. And they come here pre-COVID. We get a lot of visitors here. We've had the political editor of the Washington Post. We've had the head of the U.S. Navy. We've had um, some really interesting political figures have come over the door here because they love Coole Swan. So my goal is to get it well rolled out within the U.S., um, I'll let you in on a secret and, and we'll find out I'll be in contact with you around May, June but we had this fabulous experience with um, a lovely Chinese gentleman who, with two Irish guys has just fallen in love with the product and they're going to China with it in May so we'll see, we'll see what happens they're they're really lovely to work with uh, that's a prerequisite for us we don't do, we, we love what we do the, the, what is it they say, you know life's for living it's kind of like we're not here for a long time we're here for a good time and that's a motto that we would very much live by here there's no you know stress is kind of it's there and you got to go through it but we try to turn it into something that's rewarding and because stress gets you out of bed, right? But we, we try to work with it as something. And that's that's a model we'd like the bottle to bring around the world as well. Do you know that when people look at it, they go, oh, they go, that's cool, Swan. I love that. You know, they feel, like, going back to your WB8s, they feel a, a comfort, a connection, um, a sort of a, they look at the bottle and they just feel belonging to something bigger. And the movement is really, go back to basics. Don't worry about it. You know, Mother Nature already has this stuff well figured. Like, we're we're, we're in good hands here, guys. Um, and that's our goal for the future, is to bring that message in the bottle around the world with 50 states in the U.S. done, like I say, Eric, we'll catch up with you after me, and I'll let you know how the Chinese side of it has gone. Um, China's always a tough market because it's so big. You know, you think, oh, only 5% of them drank Um, So we, we'll keep you abreast of that. And then Ireland and the UK, um, and we'll begin, we've started to roll out in Europe. So it's really getting the brand out there is now our next goal.
0: Yeah, well, it seems like you have uh, three uh, eager brand ambassadors who might might be interested in uh, uh, pounding some pavement here in the United States to get it uh, into all fifty states. So, if you can oh, yeah. if you can convert your daughters to uh, to oh, be, yeah. become brand ambassadors and they do make it over here, I'm I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that you'll have some eager uh, palates to taste it. Um, it's certainly a, a welcome transformation for the category from where I stand, and uh, I don't think that that's a controversial thing to say at all. So. Um, before we before we uh, jump into the lightning round here uh the, the one thing that you were talking about the, the passion of your team reminded me of uh of my favorite uh William Butler Yeats poem which is the uh the, the song of wandering angus okay. i went out to the hazelwood because a fire was in my head yeah. and uh so it's lots of lots of great um affinities here with with uh, him and his writing but uh is there anything else that you wanted to share with us about cool swan before we do a few lightning round questions here
1: no, just that our, you know, like the brand, our door is always open. We're here 24-7, whether virtually or otherwise. And we love to hear from people. So if any of your listeners take on the challenge of testing the whole milk and want to write back to me and say, yes, I now use this when I go after I go fishing. I now wash my hands in whole milk and it takes away the smell because uh, it does. So it's it's uh, we're always here and we love to hear from our customers and just no, look, give it a try. Just give Good Swan a try and let us know what you think. Love it, it um, or loathe it, but I think it'll be love it. We've yet to meet anybody, if uh, that isn't too arrogant to think, to say who's fed back anything really negative. Some people just aren't cream drinkers, but even at that, they like Kool Swan. So, yeah, give it a try.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well... Also folks keep your eyes peeled on our social media channels um, and hopefully we'll have uh, at least one tried and true classic maybe a white Russian I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of feeling a white Russian but maybe we'll we'll go off and see if we can do a little custom drink as well so uh, with that let's jump into the lightning round first question is what is your favorite cocktail of all time and if you don't have a favorite is there something that you've been maybe getting into lately
1: oh, I my favorite cocktail would be a whiskey sour.
0: Egg white? No egg white? No egg white. No egg white. Okay. So Not like more of the refreshing good. summary take on the whiskey sour. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Got it. Irish whiskey?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Redbreast. Anything from Middleton. Yeah. There's very few Irish whiskies I don't like, actually. I've, I've, yeah. I like a few scotches. You know, I have a lovely customer down in Texas who recently, before COVID, came to visit he bought me the most amazing bottle of bourbon. I have ever tasted it. it's out of a craft distillery. I have to say the bourbons being produced out of the US at the moment in craft are just incredible. They're putting bourbon back where it should be. It's a beautiful mm. drink. It's um and he gave us this bottle. Oh my goodness me, it was fit for a straw. That's <laughs> sit back and drink. So I was I was happy with that, but typically Irish
0: whiskey. Nice, nice. Um next question. Is there any product or trend in the spirits and cocktail world besides the cream liqueur category? Uh, cause you did, as you mentioned, uh, work for, uh, you know, a large international spirits brand, uh, spirits company. Uh, are there, are there any categories or products that you think are underrated at the moment?
1: I think I, I like to say tequila. Tequila sometimes I think is suffers a little bit from what Irish creams do from your true tequilas. They're really good alcohols and rum. I love a good rum. I have to mm. say. And it's another one of those very versatile products. You don't just have to drink it neat. It's, it's a beautiful burnt sweetness about it. So they're the two, I think. Now, rum is kind of maybe coming into its own a bit more. But yeah, rum and a good tequila. A really good tequila.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. I'm in complete agreement with you on that. Uh, now, here's the big one. Cocktail with anyone, past or present, who would it be? Where would you go? What would you drink in this dream scenario? Just paint us a picture.
1: It would have to be a young Clint Eastwood. (laughs) Yeah. I got a big big passion for Clint Eastwood. I just think he's an extraordinary storyteller by virtue of the fact that he says nothing. I I think that's an extraordinary gift. Um, In these movies, he's, they're very limited in the vocabulary. I've yet to find a movie that I don't enjoy. So I'd love to spend a little bit of time with him and just to see where what's the genesis of that. You know, where does that kind of depth come from? That in I don't know if you've seen his one of the recent ones, The Mule, where he is an elderly I don't know, he's even a veteran, but he's smuggling drugs as a mule for a Mexican gang. But like, if the man says 14 sentences in it, and yet the film from beginning to end is... Gripping, and it's just like what's gonna happen next. Um, and Robert Redford is another gentleman. I'm really going back now and showing my age. He's another fantastic uh film person, and I love about films is that they, they tell stories, you know, and they leave you interpreted. it. Um, my political stuff is a little bit more, it's kind of like agenda-driven, and you're sort of engaged, but films they're kind of you can take it or leave it. You can take the story where you want to take it or you can leave it where it is. We like to think cocktails in the alcohol sector are very similar. It's for you to build your own story. We give you the palette, off you go.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen the Mule movie, but I I really enjoyed Gran Torino, um, um, which was one of his more recent films.
1: I, he, I, I just think he's a... He's a real treasure. I just, there's something about him. And I loved all these, I'm a big Western fan anyway. I don't know what that's about. Um, and I had the really good fortune because we are with fabulous distribution down in Colorado, one of my most favorite places in the world. And I got to go to Telluride where I think that they film quite a lot of these early Westerns. My mouth was like, oh my. God, I felt like I knew every rock in the place. There's just something, <sighs> and my husband always says, it's the good and the bad of it. This is good, that's bad. It's the clean line sort of of uh, the goody and the baddie. But yeah, I, I um I have to say Westerns and Clint Eastwood would be definitely where I'd be going.
0: Nice, nice. That's a, that, We have not had that answer before. I like it. Uh, so to wrap things up here, uh, it, it seems like, you know, going back to things that may be unusual or controversial, I, I think, I think the notion that Irish, the Irish cream liqueur category, is one of the more exciting categories in spirits to watch would potentially be controversial. Uh, but aside from that, uh, do you have any controversial stances or or um, opinions in the spirits and cocktail space?
1: Yeah, I to be honest, the pandemic has answered quite a few of them. Because I think it leveled out the game a little, you know. Like we were able to find our voice a bit better because the industry got a little bit flattened. I, I guess actually, in one way, the industry slowed down a little, so quality began to come out. I, I'd love to see. I'd love to see people go back to drinking, not because they want to change the state of their mind, <laughs> uh, but because they want to st- change the state of their Welfare, you know, it's like you have a glass and you really enjoy it. You don't watch 16 movies at once, you watch one and you walk away and think about it. You get a good glass of bourbon, you get a good glass of tequila, you get a good glass of cream liqueur, and you get transported while you're drinking that. And then Put it down and move on, but it's a good enough what I love about quality alcohol. You only need one or two glasses, it's the cheap sugar driven highs that keep repeating until your body physically says, Actually, this has got to stop. <laughs> so, um, that's that's a gripe I would have had is that, but again, like I say, the pandemic has flattened it a little bit because of the whole no matter how big or small you were, you had to fight for your position in the drinks industry, and that was that was good. We're fighters. You'd expect nothing less, being an Irish company. um. But that, that would be a bugbear. I'd love to see people go back to enjoying it. I don't like the word moderation in one way because it kind of puts this sense of restriction on you. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm actually talking about sitting down and living in the moment with a really good, you know what it's like, Eric, a really good whiskey, like a really good cigar. Even if you don't smoke, a really good cigar is a tremendous experience. You know, mm-hmm. and just have it. And hang up your boots and lie back and say, Oh, that was good. You know, and live the dream. Don't have fifteen of them, because that's not good. That you've hit this kind of sense of I'm full now and you move yourself to a whole new category. So that's something I, I would like to see more of quality drinking and very much around social drinking. When you're eating, you know, you've your friends in, you keep a conversation going with one or two glasses of bourbon, you play cards. I I, I love that side of it.
0: Mm. I agree with you. I think that when I look at the explosion of no ABV uh, uh, spirits or um, uh, cocktails or aperitifs out there, and not to say that these things aren't valuable in their own right, I think it's I think it's a great experiment to do, uh, even if it's not necessarily what I would personally gravitate towards. So I'm not saying that that no, it, there's not a place at the table for no ABV or very low ABV. Um, products. But I, I think my issue with this proliferation is that people are viewing these products as a response to a misconception. I think that misconception is that drinking is inherently bad for you, that you are just yeah. taking in poison and it goes back to the water of life. Uh, uh, and, and so I, I agree with you and, and my basis for that agreement is, is precisely that I think that drinking can be done in a way that is perhaps not healthy in the dictionary definition that we're looking at under today's tech-driven microscope, but certainly from a wellness standpoint and a fellowship standpoint. And and what are we all suffering from right now? We're suffering from isolation. We, we haven't been able to celebrate what we normally do in large groups and then have that sense of belonging and and so I, in in that sense i think i think the type of nourishment that you're referring to is precisely what so many people are craving right now so uh i think that means that folks should head on over to your website uh fingers crossed if you're an american listener you are in one of those uh states that that you can get a bottle shipped to you and uh if you want to pump the brakes and and watch me make a few cocktails on instagram with it first then that's great but uh, i am am so looking forward to um playing around with cool swan and uh so grateful to you mary for your time and your your passion frankly. Uh,
1: Eric, it's been a real pleasure. It's been great. You've set the whole thing up so beautifully. I'm sitting here in a farm one hour north of Dublin on a kind of March evening just before St. Patrick's Day to be talking to you in Washington, D.C. It's just brilliant. It's fabulous. Thank you so much.
0: Yes, thank you. And uh, hopefully we will do a round two at some point.
1: We will indeed. I look forward to it.
0: This episode was made possible with editing and sound design by Samantha Reed, Irish Cream Liqueur Insights, courtesy of Mary Sadlier of Cool Swan, and a little bit of interview magic by yours truly. This has been a Modern Bar Cart production, copyright 2021.